escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. But my colleagues, ministers in African countries, that's a way that as much as possible as we all have an intention of migrating to green energy, we should not dare to do this uh, uh, such that the countries, the new industrialized countries that are coming in, will begin to suffer. For instance, I don't see how Ghana is going to industrialize with the green revolution that we're talking about. Bare energy sufficiency in terms of hydrocarbon is still slightly cheaper. I don't see how any African country is going to industrialize with solar energy. Most of the developed countries that we witness it today, they industrialize at a very cheap power price. Power price is less than two, three cents. Today in Africa, power is trading, I mean, in some areas about 13 or 12 cents, you know, per kilowatt hour. How can African countries industrialize? John Peter Mewu, Energy Minister. Domestic airlines have started rolling out additional safety measures aimed at protecting passengers despite the severe strain on their revenue amid the coronavirus. Africa World Airlines is one such carrier which offered me the experience of these protocols on a flight to Takarade. Have more in this edition of the Business Journal. Restrictions on movement has eased, and already domestic airlines are out for business. We were granted access to the check-in section of Africa World Airlines. Here, passengers maintain their social distance. You will have to show your ID card to the attendant at a distance as they complete pre-departure formalities. For domestic airlines like Africa World Airlines, now is a time to win back the confidence of passengers. Profits are an afterthought. Sean Mendes is the Chief Executive Officer of Africa World Airlines. All in all, we've done everything we can to ensure that every step that we can take to ensure that passengers are flying safely with us has been taken. Data from the Ghana Airport Company Limited show that since May 1, passenger turnout from Accra to the two major domestic destinations of Kumasi and Tamale spiked from nearly 1,850 travelers per week to almost 2,800 passengers. Sean Mendes says the attention of passengers have now shifted from the kind of meals they would have to be served on board to how many times a plane they board gets disinfected. Today, the question is more along the lines of, oh, when did you last clean the plane? Uh, you know, do you have extra sanitizer I can use on my hands and things like that? Making it to the boarding room, I see the departure hall of Terminal 2, which houses domestic flights with less activity. Basic security checks were done, after which we aimed next to board the flight. Few minutes to take off, these passengers are off to Takarade in 40 minutes. Seating arrangements all speak to social distancing measures. In fact, Africa World Airlines has reduced capacity from 50 to 24 passengers, less than half of its normal capacity. 
Touching down at the Takoradi airport, a second phase of disinfection begins. So for the smaller flights, it takes 10 to 15 minutes to get the plane ready for the other passengers leaving. The whole plane is disinfected, sprayed, and then cleaned up. So when they come, they pick the passengers. It's cleaned again before they take the passengers. Then at the end of the day, total or thorough disinfection is done. This is a new normal. These officials are disinfecting every part of the plane, mostly used by passengers. Window slides, seat handles, everything. Yeah, I feel very, very comfortable. Yeah, very safe. Yeah. Africa World, they did their best uh, from boarding to, I mean, from checking to now, we're observing the safety protocol. So, yes, I would say thumbs up, Africa World. Any advice to prospective passengers out there who might feel concerned boarding the flight during this time? Yeah, the skepticism is all over, right? Uh, it's just about what the president said. Uh, it's a matter of us uh, taking our own personal uh, health into our own hands and uh, ensure we we'll observe the protocols he outlined. The future of air travel is bleak as the International Air Transport Association, IATA, in its financial outlook for the global air transport industry, showed that airlines are expected to lose $84 billion in 2021. I'm Charles Ayata reporting for Joy Business. Well, and that's how we end this edition of the Joy Business Report. Coming up next is the Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Do stay. As we continue to fight COVID-19 together, Ecobank offers you several ways to stay home, stay safe, and take control of your finances. Use Ecobank Mobile whenever, wherever, with or without an Ecobank account to send money through SMS and email. Also buy airtime, pay bills, and much more from the comfort of your home. For high-value transactions, use our internet banking services. Ecobank QR code enables you to make cashless digital payments when paying for goods and services. Download the Ecobank Mobile today from the Google Play Store, App Store, or from our Facebook page. Additionally, dial the short code star 770 hash from any phone and start transacting. Ecobank cares. Remember to observe social distancing, wash your hands frequently, and don't touch your face. For further assistance, kindly call Ecobank Contact Center on 3225 anytime, any day. Toll free. Stay home, stay safe. Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank. Joy 99.7 FM. May I please have your attention for the following announcement? Osabari Ma Ajiman Oboehian the second Kronthini Obusiapeni Dansua Bram Na Adokaile Mo the first Obusiapeni Kojobuating Ajikum Justice S A Brobi, former Supreme Court Judge and former Chief Justice of Gambia Accra Openi Kweku Akwa of Boso and the management of Ghana Airport Company announced with deep sorrow the sudden demise of their beloved Eric Kwekuchamantin Jonathan. Funeral arrangement as follows. There will be no way keeping. Laying in state and burial service takes place on Friday the 3rd of July 2020 at the Faith Presby Church Dansoman, Russia at 5 a.m. Burial will take place at the Presby Church Cemetery, Boso. Final funeral rite takes place on Saturday, the 4th of July, 2020, at Dansoman Exhibition at 10 a.m. 
all COVID protocols will be fully observed. Joy 99.7 FM. For all your sports news in the locker room. Hello, I'm Sarah Mulkerns, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the very best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. It's a special weekend of great sports uploading. Like football, boxing, tennis and golf have made their comebacks. Motorsports is next to enter the fray. It's lights out away. We go for Stappen. Gets an awful start. He's already been bypassed by the two Mercedes Norris and Raikkonen as well. Leclerc leads from Bottas. Then comes Lando Norris ahead of Lewis Hamilton. Kimi Raikkonen then slots in behind them. And behind Raikkonen, Sebastian Vettel. And then comes Pierre Gasly and Antonio Giovinazzi. Great start for DRS. Wide open. Gaining on the Ferrari. Switches early for Stappen. Late breaking. Leclerc this time might just have to give way as he goes off the track. And when he comes back on, Max Verstappen has just sent Holland into raptures. Yes, Formula 1 returns this weekend to a different world from the one of nearly four months ago when the teams and drivers were preparing for the abortive opening race in Australia. This is the start of a headache run of eight races in 10 weeks across Europe, including two in Britain, which F1 hopes will be the start of a world championship, comprising something like 15 to 18 races. We have a special preview of the Austrian Grand Prix ahead on the show. Football continues with La Liga's title race threatening to go down to the wire of the season. Real Madrid have the advantage, but Barcelona pressing hard to make a huge statement. The Catalans travel to Villarreal and Madrid are at Athletic Bilbao. In Italy, Juventus are looking to further stretch their lead, but Lazio and Inter Milan are not keeping a distance. We'll keep you across special games to come in Italy and in Spain. England is without a title race. The top four fight, which is struggling for the spotlight because of an equally intriguing relegation battle, is on. Who's going to strike it and it hits the post and goes in. And Chelsea have equalised to the man who scored the penalty in the first half. Antonio, Yarmolenko might be through here. And Yarmolenko's been found on the edge of the box. Just really going to deal with... He's Andre Yarmolenko and he scores for West Ham United in the 89th minute of the game. What a strike that is. Fernandez again scores this time. Hit the post earlier. No mistake now. Pogba and Fernandez linking brilliantly. Yeah. All the way across goal and what a finish that is. Oh, Bruno Fernandez for Gordon and a brilliant finish from Richarlison. What a wonderfully worked goal by Everton. The youngster very much involved and Richarlison hammered it home. The top four contenders travel to the relegation threatening sides this weekend. Chelsea visit Watford, Manchester United face Bournemouth and Liverpool up against Aston Villa with Manchester City clashing with Southampton. We have a special preview ahead. If you'd like to send us your messages, we'd love to read them via social media accounts 0244 on WhatsApp, joy slash 99.7 on Facebook or at joysportsgh on Twitter. We'll be on the African continent to assess CAF's decision to postpone next year's AFCON to 2022 and discuss the Novell Women's CAF Champions League and we try to understand how the Ghana Football Association intends to restructure 
this new season amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sport. Hello from me, George Ade Jr. and welcome. Football is back with a bang. Your Superstation Joy 99.7 FM. In partnership with DSTV and Gold TV are banging hard to bring you the very best of La Liga Live Radio Commentary. Yes, La Liga Live Radio Commentary. From the 9th of June until Spain's Elite Division culminates. Llorente, he shoots again and scores again. Stay glued and not miss a moment as Lionel Messi leads Barcelona's charge for the title. As Sergio Ramos keeps all Madrid's heads focused and battle ready. And how Thomas Partey's Atletico wrestles the likes of Sevilla and Real Sociedad for Champions League places. Joy Sports Super Commentary Team led by George Ado Jr. and Gary Ausmith will take you there. With passionate game description with massive interactivity. The coverage of La Liga on Joy FM is powered by Joy Sports. In partnership with DSTV and Go TV. DSTV, feel every moment. Go TV, live it, love it. Let's go. Live on radio, live online. This is the locker room with George Addo Jr. So thanks for staying with us on the locker room. Remember, you can send us your messages via WhatsApp line 0244 340437. And there's no better place to begin than on the continent. To their first choice goalkeeper, Bubakar Barry, to win the Cup of Nations for Ivory Coast. He's done it. Cote d'Ivoire have beaten Ghana in a penalty shootout as they did 23 years ago to become champions of Africa. Deflections taking the ball into the back of the net. It's absolute madness that's taking place here. It comes off Sané and it just goes flying up in the air and over behind the goalkeeper and no one can quite believe it. And the referee blows the whistle. Algeria are champions of Africa. And we know the 2021 Africa Cup of Nations has been postponed to January 2022 by the Confederation of African Football as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. So, yes, we know the women's version of the tournament has been cancelled. The men's tournament, which was set to take place in January next year, has been cancelled as well. The African Nations Championship, which should have been played in April, will now take place in January 2021, with Cameroon set to host both competitions. The decision means the Biennale tournament will now be in the same year as the World Cup in 2022, something that happened in 2010. Let's get a deeper understanding of the implications of these decisions. Joining me now is African football expert Nuhu Adams. Thanks, Nuhu, for your time. Surely no surprise at the news because there were so many hints dropped. But how does this complicate the football schedule on the continent? For sure, the football calendar has been greatly affected by the coronavirus outbreak and all that. But um, we will try as much as possible to squeeze um, so many competitions in 2021, 2022. Um, these are years... Um, football players um, might not forget in their lives because um, let's look at um, 2021 the champ tournament will go ahead um, which we know uh, most of the players playing for the local teams will not get the opportunity to play for the senior national team proper but 2021 we are expected to um, go ahead with the 2021 African Cup of Nations qualifiers. We still have 2022 World Cup qualifiers. You understand? We have the Olympic Games coming up in the summer. The, the players will also um, try as much as possible to go back to their leagues 
play their leagues, the friendly matches and all that. So, 2021 is actually going to be a fully packed year. Aside that, I think 2023 African Cup of Nations qualifies might also start in 2021 before the actual tournament in 2020. In 2022, already the AFCON is fixed at January, February, and we still have the World Cup to come along the line, which um, AFCON 2023 qualifiers also probably coming up in the year 2022. So I, I, I can tell you, um, we are we are having um, two packed years ahead of us, and um, it's going to um, affect the football calendar. But um, we have no option. The coronavirus brought us this this far, and I think it's okay. Yeah, no players are expected to deal with a heavy schedule of a World Cup and the African Cup in the same year. Now that happened most recently in 2010. But the demands of the modern game are fast becoming exhaustive. Do you think? Uh, well, it is good that the players are well informed or well aware of what is ahead of them in the next two years. That's 2021 and 2022. Um, probably um, 2021 is for qualifiers. Um, the 2021 qualifiers, the 2022 World Cup qualifiers as well. They, they can prepare ahead of the tournament in January, February. This a time most of the players will be playing at their peak for their clubs and they'll have to leave their clubs and come to the African Cup of Nations. Most of them will come and try as much as possible to be very, very cautious because the World Cup is in November. So they'll try as much as possible to avoid injuries that will make them available for the World Cup selection and all that. I think um, they will endure. I think um, since they know what is ahead of them, most of them or actually going in with a plan. Um, it, it is a very difficult moment, but I think the players will have to endure. Well, let's talk about the CAF club competitions, which are taking a one-legged dimension these days. Will this affect the level of competition, provided it has always been over two legs with every club looking to get all the advantage they can at home? Well, it is true that um, most of the Af- African clubs are very, very strong when they play at home. So, when the Champions League or Congregation Cup is played um, in a two-legged affair. They will try as much as possible to make sure they get a very good scoreline at home or a very good advantage in the, at home before they, they travel away. But um, this time, it is being played um, in a one-legged affair and on an, uh, on a neutral ground as well. But I, I don't think um, it's going to take uh, much of the competitiveness from, from, from the competition because of the teams involved. Let's let, let's look at the CAF Champions League. If you are having El Ali, you have Zamalek, you have Raja Casablanca, and with that, in the semi-finals of the CAF Champions League, any fixture from these four clubs is going to be very, very competitive, no matter where it is being played. Likewise, the CAF Configuration Cup, we have Uruya AC, we have Hassani Agadie, Ares Bekani, and then Pyramids FC of Egypt. Um, they wouldn't mind where the game is being played. It is always going to be competitive. Yes, um, we will not get that um, atmosphere, that ambience when the teams are playing at home. But definitely, it is going to be very, very competitive, no matter where it is being played. Well, Nuhu as well, the cancellation of the Women's Africa Cup of Nations came as little surprise, given the tournament had no hosts, while no qualifier had been played. But there seems to be... A boost for the women's game, however, on the continent with the launch of a new women's champions league in Africa in 2021. 
What are the prospects of this competition? Uh, well, George, I, I was quite disappointed when um, the decision came that the 2020 Women's African Cup of Nations has been cancelled. But I can't begrudge the CAF Executive Council because preparations towards the organization of the tournament was not top-notch. So I think um, it was good for them to consider it cancelled. Um, CAF is introducing the Women's Champions League. Many people have been calling for it. Many people had, had doubts that um, clubs in Africa, especially the women's football clubs, are not well equipped. They are not having the financial capabilities to play Champions League football. But I think maybe CAF might be having a master plan. Maybe or probably hosting um, the competition in one country where all the teams will be brought together to play it once and for all. And I think that one is very, very feasible. You know, when people try to compare the African game to the European one, it is quite um, different and wrong. Because if you go to Europe at the moment, most of the big clubs are owning women's uh, women's football teams. You see the Olympic Lyonnais, the FC Barcelona, the Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool. Um, recently, Manchester United established a, f- a female team. Um, Real Madrid are also on the verge of establishing a women's team. But if you come to Africa, um, the teams that are supposed to be owning or establishing women's teams are not doing. Esperance, El Ali, Etoile Sporting du Sahel, Aimba, Orlando Paris, Asante Kotoko, House of Folk, Kaiser Chiefs. These are the clubs that should be establishing women's football clubs. But they are not doing. So if you look at um, the very few women's football clubs we have on the continent, it is always going to be difficult. Maybe... CAF who, who, who want um, the tournament to go ahead in one country where all the teams will be brought together to compete and I think that's, that's quite visible and it is very very um, good CAF is starting something like that No Adams is an African football expert thank you very much for joining us on the show so let's stay with the related subject because the Ghana Football Association Executive Council unanimously voted for the cancellation of the 2019-2020 Ghana Premier League season or let's put it the football season we know the Premier League was halted on March Day 15 with the Adriano Stars leading the table with 28 points. The Executive Council also decided that per the relevant positions of a CAF inter-club football regulations, Asante Kotoko and Ashgold will represent Ghana in the CAF Champions League and Confederations Cup respectively for next season. So, what next for the Ghana Football Association? I'm joined now by my colleague Benedict Owusu, who has been on this beat for some time. Thanks, Ben, for your time. No surprise, the season was cancelled. But did the FA benefit from delaying the decision, given finding a new date will still come with massive organisation from stakeholders? Yes, George, the writings were very clear. I mean, from the onset, uh, you could see or you could tell that uh, we're not going to you know, continue the season because everything was happening here was evident to the fact that we, we didn't have enough in terms of what we've seen the other uh, top countries exhibit in playing their respective league. So uh, whether, you know, they benefit from delaying the decision, I don't think so. Uh, they, they just needed to consult further, uh, look at, you know, the possible impacts on sponsors, the clubs, and how they were able to, you know, they were going to sort all these issues out. So I'm sure uh, they had to consult further. That's why they delayed. But we all knew it, was, it wasn't going to be possible for us to continue the season. So, Ben, we've heard from players, managers and administrators, most of whom have endorsed the cancellation of their football season. But even if the league restarts in October or November, I reckon 
there would still be the need to plan for COVID-19. How challenging will that be for the FA and the Ghana Premier League Management Committee? Of course, they definitely would have to, you know, plan uh, because there's no any insight with everything that is happening. So uh, even if now we've cancelled the league, we're going to return somewhere October. Can you say by October everything will be fine? You and I cannot tell. So they still have to plan, uh, even if they're going to play behind closed doors or whatever they're going to do. There must be a lot of planning. A lot of things must go into it. Uh, first, they can plan for behind closed doors if that's what is going to happen and that's how we want to return our football. So be it. If also uh, we want to go the normal way by God's grace by then, uh, there, there will be a remedy to everything that is going on. Then we, we thank God. But they definitely will have to plan. And the planning begins now. Now, Ben, how close are we to knowing the new dates of a new football calendar? And do sponsors have the will to stick with the FA during the spirit? Well, in terms of knowing how closer we, we may be, uh, knowing the new start date uh, for the season, uh, George, I think that will take a bit of a time. Because now, as I mentioned, yes, they have to plan, but in terms of setting a date, uh, they would have to hold on. Because now you would have to consider the circumstances, the situation in which uh, you had to cancel the league. Are the, those situations still around? Do they still persist? Yes, they do. Have we been able to fight whatever we wanted to us cancelling the league? No, we haven't been able to. So I think they just have to take their time. Uh, the, the best thing they can do at this moment is to plan. Just plan and let's wait and see what happens in the next uh, two or three months. And then they can come out with a concrete decision on when to you know, start a new season. Finally, Ben, good move by the FA to get players in the Women's League allowances till the end of the year. Will government come to its aid, though, at some point? I guess quite a number of male clubs will be counting down such an announcement. Big commendation there for the FA to get the YA to pay the uh, Women League players uh, the 500 cities allowance which starts uh, from now till end of the year. That's very massive. That's very big. Uh, now, we, we know the FIFA COVID-19 relief fund is coming through uh, this year. This year, The first tranche will come by end of this month. That's the $500,000. And then they will also receive the uh, second tranche. That will be in uh, January 2020. We also know that uh, FIFA has committed $500,000 uh, to each member association to take care of their uh, women's uh, league. So, it, it's a good time. I think that at this point, maybe we can hold on with that of government and a focus on that of FIFA because uh, 1.5 million, 500,000, the FA has already made it clear uh, that uh, they are waiting uh, on the financial committee headed by the uh, vice president, that's Mr. Mercado, to come out with, you know, disbursement plan uh, for these clubs. So I think that uh, in terms of taking care of the clubs, they will be well taken care of. If, if, if there's a need for government to come in, fine, government should come in, but at this point, I wouldn't impress on government to say, let's go and support the football clubs. FIFA is there, and they are giving them money for the clubs, 500,000 US dollars, under 500,000, 1.5, it should be okay. Thank you, Benedict, for your time on the show. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr., So there's more football ahead on the show, but let's do motorsport now. It's lights out, away we go, Verstappen gets an awful start. He's already been bypassed by the two Mercedes Norris, and 
Sebastian Vettel, and then comes Pierre Gasly and Antonio Giovinazzi. Great start for sh- towards turn three. Is he going to go inside or outside? Which way is Verstappen going to go here? DRS wide open, gaining on the Ferrari. Switches early, Verstappen. Late braking. Leclerc this time might just have to give way as he goes off the track. And when he comes back on, Max Verstappen has just sent Holland into raptures from the 2018 victory. Max Verstappen is going to give his fans cause for celebration once again. It's one, two, three, four, five, six victories in Formula One for Max Verstappen. And this number six was very much the best. So Formula One returns this weekend and like much of the rest of society is tentatively emerging from coronavirus lockdown. And the location chosen is the isolated environs of Austria's Red Bull Ring. The season, which had been shut down in Melbourne back in March before a wheel turned in anger, restarts with three races on consecutive weekends. Two are on the compact but demanding track in the foothills of the Steering Alps, followed by a third at the Hangover Ring outside Budapest. This is the start of a hectic run of eight races in 10 weeks across Europe, including two in Britain, which F1 hopes will be the start of a world championship comprising about 15 to 18 races. As things stand though, the exact shape of the rest of the season remains uncertain other than will definitely end in the Middle East with races in Bahrain and Abu Dhabi. Let's get a bit of analysis and joining me now after a rather long break is our F1 reporter Raymond Nyamado. Ray, thanks for your time. So the racing is resuming, but the virus still lurks. And Formula 1 has put in place a package of measures to ensure it's taking the minimum risk possible for the competition to start up again safely. All participants have been tested for COVID-19 before going into Austria flew out of the charter jets with only Formula 1 personnel on board and will be repeatedly tested while on board. How worried should we be? 16 weeks ago, when we had a discussion, you know, on the possible start of the Formula 1 season, um, my, my thoughts were that, you know, it was quite scary and we should be worried. But you ask me the same question today and I say, George, I don't think we should be worried at all because a lot has happened in the last few months. And you look at what the FIA, the team's organizers have been able to put together, the protocols that they've put together should be able to actually, you know, protect as many people as possible. And, you know, this competition will be held behind closed doors. That in itself, you know, gives the fans... You you know some level of security and you clearly don't expose the fans to any danger at all in such situations and so you look at what's actually been done the risk assessment has been conducted the rules and regulations for every driver every team to actually follow have been clearly spelled out and you know what's important in these days is that you know compliance i think that for most teams they just have to comply and make sure everybody's safe and it's actually very safe now to have races compared to you know 16 weeks ago and so for me i think that based on the improvements in, you know, the testing improvement and the measures that have to be put in place for everybody to be safe, I would confidently say that we shouldn't be worried going into this round of races. Now, Ray, arriving in Melbourne, the feeling was that Mercedes was starting the season as favourites, with Britain's Lewis Hamilton bidding for a seventh Strivers Championship that would draw him level with the all-time record holder Michael Schumacher. The sense of the pre-season testing was that Mercedes still had the quickest car and that Red Bull with Max Verstappen were likely to be the biggest rivals. What's your thinking? 
it's right for anybody to conclude such because you look at the performance of their chances the W11 during testing in Barcelona it was top notch it was the fastest it was robust it was solid and I don't think that you would put anything past Mercedes and you also talk about their driver Lewis Hamilton Lewis Hamilton over the last few years has been consistent it's actually shown that he has the metal he has what it takes to actually you know be on top and you look at his winning mentality even when he's not able to win races he actually gets into you know positions where he can actually pick up points just to make sure that he accumulates as many as possible to retain his championship. I think that we are going to see more of the same in this season. And you look at the fact that he has a few records that he himself wants to catch. He, on a personal note, he's personally motivated because he would want to equal Michael Schumacher's seven championships. And so I think that a lot should go for Lewis Hamilton this season. But there's still a lot of competition going to come from the new generation, you talk about Charles Leclerc, you talk about um, a driver like Max Verstappen. These are drivers who are definitely going to push him to the wall. But I think that he should have a lot of experience on the circuit over the years to be able to hold off competition. So for me, I think that Mercedes should dominate once again and Lewis Hamilton should come up tops once again. So we know teams may not have been able to work on their cars for much of the lockdown, but F1 has been extremely busy over the last three months. Team bosses have negotiated a series of cost-saving rule changes including a budget cap to be introduced next year. And the driver market has gone absolutely crazy. Ray, Sebastian Vettel, Daniel Ricciardo, and Carlos Sainz all start the season driving for teams they already know they will be leaving at the end of it. And Vettel, the four-time champion, does not even know whether he has a future in the sport next year. So, will Vettel have the focused mind he needs to compete? For Sebastian Vettel, I think that he'll be focused this season. He doesn't have too much pressure on him. The weight on his shoulder at the time um, in the previous season was the fact that he needed to find Ferrari that elusive championship win. And so that put a lot of pressure on him. And so going into a season where he knows that, look, his time is done at Ferrari, I think that that takes a bit of pressure off him. And he does have a point to prove. He would want to prove to Ferrari that, look, I still have what it takes. I didn't win four championships by fluke. I think that, you know, he's a good driver. Uh, on days when Vettel has tried to, you know, prove that he's a former champion, he's actually been able to do that. And I think that he will be very focused. This time around, he has been able to actually get the monkey off his back, you know, not extending his contract or not having a new contract takes a lot of pressure off him. So I'm expecting a good performance for him. I don't think that his future, as far as the sports is concerned, you know, is something we should talk about again. I think that for a driver like Vettel, he's done everything, he's won it all. And if you consider his standing, where he where he belongs when it comes to Formula One, you know, his future may be done now. This season should give him that chance to actually tell the whole world once again that, you know, he's a force to reckon with or he didn't win his four titles by fluke. Wait, let's talk about Charles Leclerc, because on the other hand, he's very much Ferrari's future. That was made very clear by the five-year contract extension they gave the 22-year-old a couple of months before telling Vettel he was surplus to requirements. What do you expect from him? Charles Leclerc belongs to the new generation uh, and these are the boys who are expected to actually take over from um, Louis Hamilton, the Sebastian Vettels and the likes and so you can actually tell that this young man has a big future ahead of him and you look at his performances last season beyond expectation, he actually did finish ahead of his teammate who was supposed to be the main man for Ferrari uh, Sebastian Vettel, that tells you the promise this young man has shown, he has bags of ambition bags of talent and you won't put it past him to become a world champion you know, in the not too distant future but I think that 
this season asking him to win the championship would come a bit too early for him i think that he would now have to learn the tricks of the job there are a lot of things that he still needs to learn on the circuit and i think this season would give him that chance to actually correct a few mistakes he made last season and just you know strive to get better i don't think that he'll be competing right away for the championship despite the fact that he did he does he does drive for ferrari and you know a lot of expectation will be on his shoulders especially because of his own performances last season but that notwithstanding i still think that ferrari would have a lot of patience for him ferrari would make sure that the team orders go his way um, simply because Vettel won't be their main man any longer and so I think that Leclerc is one for the future I think that he should be one that we should be looking for to, to restore you know the lost glory of Ferrari Thank you very much Ray for your time on the show it should be really tough enough to attend predictions so let's await the action to come at the Austria Grand Prix more football next on the locker room and it's now time to bring you the Joy Sports BBC two-way series I've been speaking with the BBC's John Bennett. Let's enjoy this. And when I come back, surely more to come. Thanks, John, for your time this weekend. And let's start with Chelsea, who lost all three points at West Ham in midweek. Lampard's side has put on massive attacking performances since the restart, but the defence cannot quite match up. How does Lampard fix this issue? Yes, nothing against Chelsea, but part of me, George, was relieved that your Chelsea lost against West Ham because it means I don't have to talk about um, your Chelsea beating my Leicester City at the weekend in the FA Cup. But no, it was a fantastic game, I thought, um, West Ham-Chelsea. I know if you're a Chelsea fan, it wouldn't have been much fun, but I really thought it was the best game since the restart, end-to-end football towards the end. Yarmolenko with a brilliant finish to win it. Uh, I thought Pulisic was fantastic before that for Chelsea. I really thought he was the man who was going to deliver the victory for Chelsea. It was very, very surprising. I thought Chelsea would walk that game because West Ham have been really poor since the restart. They were were poor before that as well, but particularly since the restart, I thought they'd showed a lack of ambition, quite negative, whereas Chelsea had really impressed me. So it came out of nowhere. I I don't think it needs a big fix, I have to say. Um, You're right to point out the defence. I do like Antonio Rudiger. I would just like to have someone else next to him very experienced, strong defender um, to, to be able to complement what he does. So I think in the in the transfer market, that's what Chelsea need to do. They've signed two brilliant attacking players in, in Werner and Ziyech. Now I think they need a centre-back. Um, and maybe the full-back is an issue as well. I, I mean, Alonso was poor. He, he's always poor going going backwards. I think going forwards, he's fine. But his tracking back was horrendous. As Pilaqueta isn't getting any younger... So, so maybe one centre-back and a couple of full-backs or a couple of wing-backs. Not easy, is it? Especially when you spend lots of money on, on Ziyech and Timo Werner. But uh, these are the, the decisions that Chelsea are going to have to make in the transfer market. John, Manchester United clearly have hit a fine vein of form with Bruno Fernandes continuing to strike different productive partnerships in the midfield. However, Mason Greenwood was back on the scoring sheet with many fans calling for more playing time. Are these calls spot on? Well, suddenly, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has options, hasn't he? Options in midfield. He's having to leave out some quality midfielders every week. And options going forward with the likes of Greenwood looking fantastic. Rashford hasn't hit the heights yet since the restart. But Anthony Martial has been superb. Daniel James is there as a good backup in the wide areas as well. 
You look at the midfield, Fernandez and Pogba look as though they've been playing together forever. And and there's, there's a real optimism now around Manchester United. I, I feel that next season, maybe a title challenge is out of their reach. But certainly there's a lot more to be optimistic about if you're a Man United fan than you were. Maybe they could challenge for the title with a couple of additions. We, we shall see. I do think they're a long way back from Man City and Liverpool at the moment. So perhaps that's stretching it too far. But some optimism that things are at least moving in a positive direction. They should continue uh, with that winning run as well this weekend. They play Bournemouth. So a lot to be uh, pleased about. As for Greenwood, should he get more game time? It's a tough one. You have to look after these young players. Remember, Michael Owen, I thought, is a big example of someone who was overplayed when he was young. You have to look after these players. Don't put too much pressure on them. But he does look like a fantastic talent. Another team on the app is Arsenal. Back-to-back wins. First in the FA Cup against Sheffield United and then in the league against Norwich. What has Mikel Arteta all of a sudden been doing right and can this be sustained? I don't think it's anything that he's done right or was doing wrong before. I just think this is a very inconsistent team. We're going to see Arsenal, even during matches, have good periods, bad periods. They don't have the leadership for me in the team to be consistent. They don't have a a regular goal-scoring midfielder as well to be consistent. And they don't have the strong defence that you need to be consistent in the Premier League. So... Things are looking a bit more positive. This weekend is a massive test for them. They play Wolves. Wolves under Nuno Espirito Santo looking superb. They look like one of the teams who could easily catch Leicester City in the race for the top four in the race to qualify for the Champions League next season. So we'll find out a lot more about Arsenal this weekend. But whatever happens, even if they were to win this weekend, they need a massive rebuild. Not just in, this, in the next transfer window, but in the transfer window after that and the transfer window after that. I think it's a long-term job for Mikel Arteta. And I hope they back him because you do see positive signs from um, what he's saying and what he's planning with the club. John, let's talk about the murky relegation battle. West Ham boosted their hopes of staying alive without a win over Chelsea. But the likes of Bournemouth, Aston Villa, Watford, Norwich are deep in there. How is this race going? Yeah, it's, it's a big weekend, I think, for the relegation battle. It's now or never for bottom of the table, Norwich City. There's seven points from safety, just six games left to play. Their opponents, Brighton, I, I think they need just one victory to effectively make them safe. And above Norwich, it's four teams separated by just three points. You've picked out Bournemouth, Aston Villa and Watford. Uh, Bournemouth 19th on a horrendous run of form going into the away game against a Manchester United side looking full of confidence. Watford, I felt that they would actually stay up under Nigel Pearson. I am slightly concerned now, having seen them since the restart, but Nigel Pearson is, is the type of manager who will keep things on a on a, uh, on a level he won't let any players get carried away in defeat or in victory they play Chelsea that's a very difficult game particularly after what we talked about with Chelsea losing against West Ham they'll want a reaction and Aston Villa you, you, you don't get much harder do you than, than a game against Liverpool That that's going to be very very tough for them so John let's talk about the games to come this weekend Bournemouth and Watford have tough nuts to crack in Manchester United and Chelsea Aston Villa have to play Liverpool but what are the dynamics for the relegation and top four places with respect to the games this weekend. Yeah, I mean, let's pick up on that Aston Villa against Liverpool game. It's the worst possible time to play Liverpool because they they came into that Manchester City game. Uh, Jurgen Klopp is saying it had nothing to do with their mentality, but I think 
always subconsciously they may be one undercooked going into that Man City game but they'll want a response now after losing 4-0 to Man City and, and I'm sure they will deliver that response against Aston Villa so I, I feel for Aston Villa really um, this weekend um, in terms of the, the matches that we we've talked about the relegation battle matches in terms of the matches for the top four Manchester United taking on Bournemouth you, you'd think they'd win that one Chelsea Watford again you'd think Chelsea would win that one Leicester City I worry about them in the top four they're playing Crystal Palace Crystal Palace have lost their last two so they're not in a great run of form but before that they'd won their last four and they were looking like a possible top half team so very tough game for Leicester City they need a win to get back on track only two goals since the restart as well they don't look like scoring Jamie Vardy is looking very very quiet at the moment so a big game for Leicester this weekend John let's end with some transfer rumours What's the inside story first to Leroy Sané's decision to leave Manchester City for Bayern Munich? And are there any potential moves you're tracking at the moment involving EPL's Big Six? Well, it was all about the, the contract issue. He had one year left on his contract. Manchester City had offered him a new contract. He didn't accept it, whether it's money, whether it's he wanted to move back to Germany. So he's gone back to Bayern Munich. Brilliant move for him. Brilliant move for uh, Bayern Munich as well, who've made some very canny signings lately in the transfer market other moves uh, Victor Osherman the Nigeria striker has been in Naples this week discussing a possible move from Lille to Italy there is some talk that he doesn't want to go to Italy he'd rather go to the Premier League and Lille I'm sure although they don't want to lose him they desperately need the money uh, they're in a bit of financial trouble at the moment Lille so they'll want that move to go through let's see it seems to be in his the ball seems to be in his court as to whether he wants to go to Italy or the Premier League I haven't seen or I haven't heard about a, a Premier League offer yet so Napoli I think is probably his most likely destination but um, that's another one to look out for and a player I mention almost every week I think Kai Havertz playing for Bayer Leverkusen against Bayern Munich this weekend in the German Cup final could be one of his last appearances for Bayer Leverkusen he is linked with a move this summer now let's find out what special games to chase this weekend and my colleague Bozis has a wrap Let's start with the Spanish La Liga because it looks like Real Madrid with five matches to go are on the verge of securing their third title in the last decade as Sergio Ramos kept his nerve to score a late penalty and secure a 1-0 home win over Getafe on Thursday for a sixth consecutive La Liga victory, taking Zidane's side four-point clear of Barcelona in the title race. Later this Sunday, early kick of 12 p.m., Madrid could get the chance to stretch the gap to 7 points when they travel to Athletic Club before Barcelona at 8pm play away to Villarreal who need all 3 points to keep their top 4 hopes alive. Elsewhere, Thomas Partey's Atletico Madrid third know only 3 points will suffice when they take on Mallorca at home later today because anything apart from a win will be detrimental to their top 4 finish as Sevilla fourth are just 2 points behind them. Sevilla will take on Eibar on Monday. In the Italian Serie A tabletop as Juventus will play host to City rivals Torino at the Allianz Stadium on Saturday for the latest edition of the Turin Derby. Torino currently occupy 13th place in the standings with 31 points, 6 points behind 18th place Lecce. Torino will want to ensure that they don't get involved in a late-season relegation scrap and their safety will be of paramount importance. 
Juventus, on the other hand, sit at the top of the table, four points ahead of second place Lazio. Speaking of Lazio, their pursuit of leaders Juventus will continue on Saturday night when the World Cup top six hopefuls ace in Milan to the Stadio Olimpico for what should be an enthralling clash. In the other clashes on Sunday, Inter Milan will host Bologna. Atalanta will travel to Cagliari. And a befitting game to wrap it all up on Sunday will see Napoli take on Roma. And in England, as the battle for top four finish takes centre stage in the Premier League, much focus will be on the games involving Leicester, Chelsea, Manchester United and Wolves, as all these teams stand a chance of finishing third and fourth and be part of European elite club competition next season. Third place, Leicester City will host Crystal Palace on Saturday. Manchester United will take on beleaguered Bournemouth, Wolves versus Arsenal. And later in the day, Chelsea take on Watford. Don't forget that even the team that finishes fifth can still qualify for Champions League football next season. If Manchester City's appeal against their two-year European ban is unsuccessful, City will know their fifth on July 13. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Tennis next on the locker room, and we should have been talking about one of the grand slams at this time of the year. Had we not had the pandemic, the Wimbledon Tennis Championships would have gotten underway with reports coming in daily from Centre Court at the All England Club. But like many events, it's been cancelled because of the COVID 19 pandemic. So, what are the financial ramifications of all of these? Let's speak to the BBC's tennis commentator, Russell Fuller. First, Russell, it must be odd not being at the All England Club filing your usual excellent reports and running tennis commentary on the side. Yeah, I feel a little bit sad, I have to say. I'm trying not to think too much this summer, like a lot of us, I'm sure, about what might have been and try and carpe diem, seize the moment, carry on with life as it is right now. But the opening day of Wimbledon and that walk, normally past those who are camping out in the queue to Centre Court and to the BBC commentary box is a very special one. And then the chance to commentate on the opening day of the Championships, one that I'm very much missing this year. Instead, this morning, I found myself at my local garage having the air conditioning topped up in my Ford Fiesta. Not quite centre court, is it? Not quite. Well, Russell, over the past weeks, we've been looking at the financial impact of coronavirus on different sports. How will the All-England Club fare following the cancellation of the competition this year? Well, British tennis will be better protected than tennis in many other parts of the world. The reason why the French Open and the US Open are so desperate to go ahead is that they don't have any sort of insurance in place that will cover extensive losses. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars if the event doesn't go ahead no television revenue no gate receipts no money from food and drink and hospitality and merchandise whereas the all england club did have and has had for the last few years pandemic insurance and that will shelter them from losses which otherwise i think would have run to about a quarter of a billion dollars I've been talking to Richard Lewis, who is the chief executive of the All England Club. He thinks that the finances of British tennis therefore won't be severely. The profits go to the Lawn Tennis Association, the governing body for tennis in the UK. The claim is still to be sorted through. There are 10 companies involved. He tells me it will take several months to come up with a final figure. But what of next year? This type of insurance can be very expensive anyway, but will pandemic insurance even be available in 2021? No, that, um, <laughs> that, uh, that's in, impossible in the current climate. What, what I would say about the future, though, is that when I first started in, in 2012, there were, there were some uh, things that were not uh, insurable. 
because of um, communicable uh, diseases uh, that are taking place, like SARS and so so on, swine flu and all that sort of thing. And and in in the immediate aftermath, you can't get insurance, but fairly soon after that, you can start to get insurance claim uh, insurance again. The market returns. So. No, there won't be insurance next year, but um, I think medium term, just because we've made one claim, it won't, won't affect us medium and long term. That's Wimbledon Chief Executive Richard Lewis there. And with Wimbledon postponed to 2021, the next on the schedule then is the US Open, which is due to get underway at the end of August. Organizers have had some significant changes to the tournament in order to keep players and coaches safe. We'll talk about that in a moment. But earlier this month, Patrick Muratoglu, coach of Serena Williams, questioned whether the tournament should take place at all. This is what he had to say. With what, what's happening at the moment in the U.S., with the number of cases of COVID-19 going higher and higher every day, I don't think how that can happen. I mean, it, it, from outside, it looks a bit crazy to try to make it happen. So I don't know if it's a good move. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that if the situation was more stable, like it is in Europe, then it's a different story. But in the U.S., and especially in New York and around New York, it's, I mean, the number of cases is increasing incredibly. So I don't know how reasonable that is to try to happen in, and, uh, and I don't know if last minute the governor of New York will decide uh, to cancel it because of course health first. Yeah, Russell, I've thought about this clip an awful lot, as many as our listeners would have done in terms of what it could mean for the future of Serena Williams in this year's competition. What do you think? I still think it will go ahead. The governor that Patrick Moratoglu refers to, Andrew Cuomo, has backed this very openly. He was the one who effectively made the announcement and gave permission for the US Open to go ahead. So he's invested quite a lot of political capital in that. Uh, New York is very different to many other parts of the United States at the moment. It's probably similar to many parts of the European continent in terms of the number of cases they are dealing with. Cases peaked in the middle of April and they've been much, much lower for a few weeks now. Um, The trouble is the United States as a whole has an issue and I was just reading a tweet from our Europe editor Katja Adler which is suggesting that the European Union when it announces which countries will not be allowed to enter the European Union over the next few weeks and months that the United States will be on that list so will players who play in the US Open freely be able to come to Paris for example to play the French Open at Roland Garros all this is to be sorted through players have got stage fright in some cases others though are desperate to get playing again and get earning again and by shrinking the size of the number of people on site by having no singles qualifying, half the draw size for the doubles and no mixed doubles at all, the USTA are trying to get this tournament done with very strict health and safety protocols in place. Thanks, Russell, for your time on the show. Russell Fuller is a BBC senior tennis commentator and reporter and they join us from England. And indeed, thank you to all of you for tuning in. That's all time will allow us for. Follow us on our various social media accounts. Remember, there's live commentary of Aston Villa versus Liverpool on Sunday on the Sports Arena. Till then, be good. Thanks for listening to The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. The podcast will be available online at myjoyonline.com in 30 minutes. This production was powered by Joy Sports and supported by the BBC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? 
Sientes la experiencia de poder. La emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. KC World Service. Welcome to Joy Headline News at 2 with me, Hannah Odami. Coming up, the Ghana Medical Association is raising alarm over the increasing number of its personnel getting infected with the coronavirus as another top doctor dies of COVID-19 complications. Last month, the medical director of the Quadasu SDA Government Hospital succumbed to the disease. Many other health workers have also been infected. Until his death, Dr. Richard Kese was a consultant surgeon at the Trust Hospital here in Accra, one of his mentees, who is the head of the urology unit. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. <tose> 